the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes for a good apology? And later, it's Friday. You know what that means. A top five list. You're listening to The Common Good. everybody. Welcome back to The Common Good on this Friday evening. So glad that you're with us. Hopefully, you're also with us while you're packing up your suitcase to head out of town for someplace wonderful for spring break. Some of you, of course, might be staying local here for spring break. Um, I'm staying local. Brian, you're doing a little bit of travel, so you'll be gone a few days. Is it yeah. It's next week, right? That's kind of exciting. It is next week. We are going to get my wife and daughter. My youngest daughter are going to be away a whole week. But nice. my son, as people who listen to the show know, is playing high school baseball now. So he's got some games. But there is a window that they've left the days free for us to get away, for people to get away. So Jax and I are going to go join them in Florida. So nice. For a short amount of time. A uh, short anytime of time. in Florida. Anytime in Florida is a good I amount of time. I am with you on that. I am with well, you Well, those on of that. you who are staying local, you can check out our socials. We posted this, but WTTW just posted the most. They've been doing a, a bracket kind of an honor of March Madness of the most beautiful places in Chicago. So if you're sticking around, they say the I, I don't. I'm going to totally mess this up. The BAPS. Mandir, which is this beautiful temple in Bartlett, Illinois, that I drive by. It's a Hindu temple. I drive by it several days a week. That won the most beautiful place. And I've always wanted to go there. So I'm excited that this is on the list. Uh, what wasn't on the list, which surprised me, was like the Chicago uh, Gardens. I can't think of what that's called or the Morton Arboretum or something like that. But I want to go to We're, some of these places and it might be too generic, but I would have thought just the lakefront like the, just the lakefront. Yeah, but I guess that's not a place. That's a. So maybe that's maybe I'm mixing it makes mixing what they were looking to do with this. Yeah. So anyway, you'll have to check that out on social media and let us know what you think. Is anything missing? Have you been to any of these places? Do you think they're as beautiful as they say? The most beautiful places in Chicago. I might check some of those out next week. All right, Brian. Well, we've had Heather Thompson Day on the show before. She's a pretty prolific writer, podcaster over at Christianity Today and other places. She's got several books out. She posted something on Instagram that I thought was really interesting related to parenting, but also in general, the idea of the apology. So let me read this with you. She said, I have this memory of my mom in third grade yelling at me in the car. And then two hours later, showing up to pull me out of school, give me a hug and tell me I'm sorry. She says, one of the most important apologies we will ever learn to give is to our children. So let's talk about that both from let's have a parent conversation apologizing Mm -hmm. to our kids, but then also just the apologies in general. Uh, Why is it hard with our kids? I love that the mom, by the way, went back to the school and mended it like that day. Took her out of school. I think that there's something about that, that like. 
yeah, kind of the immediate nature of like, I uh, hate that I yelled at my kid. I'm going to go fix it right now rather than and that she remembered that like that was so potent that Heather remembered it as an adult. And it teaches your child when you wrong somebody, make it right immediately. Yeah. Do what you got to do immediately. Like the mom didn't wait. And she basically said, hey, there's urgency to make things right. And it clearly stuck with her daughter. Right. What do you think makes it hard to apologize as a parent? Oh, uh, a, a strange view of authority, right? Like, well, I'm the authority over them. I'm supposed to know what's best for them. There's not an equality, nor should there be, but there's not an equality between parent and child. And so what becomes difficult, I believe, a lot of times when it comes to apologizing, asking for forgiveness is we don't do that very well with those that we are quote unquote superior to, right? Those yeah, that we are quote yeah. unquote a boss to an employee, a parent to a child. Um, but that's gets it all wrong. It, nowhere are we told, Hey, apologize to the people uh, above you or on your same pay grade. Yes. Like, yes. You're supposed to apologize to people you've wronged. I don't know. Aubrey, I don't know if you've had the experience, but I've made a point to apologize to my kids multiple times in their childhood, but I can think of a few that really did have an impact, I believe Mm. on them Mm. and on me. And it like gave a, it pops the balloon, right? Like none of us, I always apologize to my kids this way. Hey, I'm not a perfect dad. Like I've never claimed to be. So I apologize that I flew off the handle here or that I, we don't apologize to our kids for, you know, discipline or for being parents, right? Being parents. But there's a time I remember one of my kids, like it was there. We haven't had many of these knockdowns, drag outs in the family. But I remember once I forget which kid it was, but I like they closed their door when I was talking to them. Oh. And I hit their door so hard and our doors are so cheap that I, it was very lucky that I didn't put a hole in the thing. Oh man. You were so mad. Mad. Yeah. And I made sure that that said child opened the door. Yeah. And we had a conversation, but I started that conversation going, because I think I kind of freaked him out. Yeah. And I started that conversation going, I shouldn't have done that. Like yeah, I was, that was right. I, I reacted in anger. I apologize, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. let's talk about what we've been talking about. Right. Here. Right. It right. didn't erase what was going on, but it was in a, a chance to acknowledge, Hey, this was, this was too far. I, I shouldn't have done that. Now let's talk about what you did. <laughs> so isn't it so difficult? Like I feel like, especially when my kids were littler mm-hmm. and the things they did push my buttons to the point where I often kind of lost it and found myself apologizing. So sorry, mom lost her temper. So sorry. Mom reacted like that. It's hard to be human and limited in front of our kids, That's but right. I do think it's so important to go back and apologize to repair the relationship to mend what's broken but also like you said to model for them what it looks like to be an adult who can humbly come and say i'm sorry and that's not an excuse to like be a jerk and they'd be like well i'll say i'm sorry later but to know you are human and limited and you're going to make mistakes as parents you're going to fly off the handle when you don't want to or mean to and to be to to own that i think is so important for our kids Uh, did you i mean 
your parents listen to the show, so maybe we won't <laughs> talk about that. But some people come from apology families and some people come from non-apology families. Uh, I... I also maybe won't say what my family was, but we Parents definitely are often yeah, there, there's often an authoritarianism that says yeah. I will lose my authority if I show any right air quotes weakness. Right. Like, right. And that's such a bad pastors do this. Right. Yeah. Like, none of us are supposed to be perfect pastors. Bosses do this. Uh, spouses do this. Yeah. Like, Carrie and I are on the same level. But when I wrong her or do some, I need to say, I'm sorry. Like, you have to. Is there's a it's a weird authoritarianism with parents where you're like I can't show weakness. You're afraid you're going to no, lose no, your you're showing yeah. strength to your children mm. by saying Hey, I'm sorry for what I did. But man, yeah. we get that really twisted and backed up. I think the other thing we've talked about this before, but when you apologize to your spouse, let's say let's move into adulthood, mm-hmm. I think the or to your sibling or whatever. My pet peeve is the non-apology apology. I'm so sorry. You do hate that. If that hurt you, I'm so sorry. Your feelings got hurt. I'm not sure why, but I feel like that doesn't seem like you're owning the actual wrong. Like, I want to hear, and I want to be someone who says, not I'm so sorry if you got hurt, but I'm so sorry I hurt you. I'm so sorry I did this. You know, like, I I think there's, like, some ownership that a good apology contains. Totally agree. Absolutely. We need to be good apologizers. We need to be good apologizers. All right. Well, coming up next, we're going to talk about different ways we pour into our relationship with our kids. With Easter in mind, we're joined by Jesse Floria from Focus on the Family's Clubhouse, Clubhouse Junior Magazines, to give parents advice for um, making Easter meaningful this year and talking about the death and resurrection of Jesus. We're joined by Jesse when we return. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. And we are thrilled today to be joined by Jesse Floria. He's the editor of Focus on the Family's Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior Magazines. We know right now that for many children, the Easter story can be a little bit confusing. Sometimes our kids might think it's about the Easter Bunny and about Easter outfits. But we actually (laughs) want to equip our listeners to walk their kids through the Easter story with a little bit more meaning and in a way that's not overwhelming. So that's why Jesse's here with us. Thanks so much for being here at The Common Good today. Oh, it's awesome to be with you. Yeah, thanks, Brian and Aubrey. Okay, so you are, right now, Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior is a part of uh, Focus on the Family's family, offering advice for parents really to help their children understand the true significance of Easter. So give give us some, I want some practical tips, but before we go there, give us the why. Like, why should parents care about this? Well, really, it kind of it's a parent's job, right? I mean, when we have kids, God entrusts us to pass down our faith to them. And I mean, we can go back to, you know, the Bible verses in Deuteronomy 11, where where they say, you know, teach these things, you know, to your children and talk mm-hmm. about them when you sit at your home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, write them on your doorpost, right? So so it's our job to pass down our faith to our kids. And, and what's so cool is God designed our kids to, to kind of look at us for that kind of guidance, right? We had a a value development specialist come and speak to the magazines years ago, and kids, um, birth to eight years old, the way they develop their values is by looking at mom and dad and sort of adopting what what we do, right? So, So our kids are watching us, and they're listening to us. So it's just so important for us to live out our faith and then uh, have our kids see that, you know, God is real and uh, and make that decision to follow Christ on their own. 
Yeah. So, Jesse, thinking about Easter, what are some real practical things? Give us a couple real practical things that parents could think about doing with their kids to make this a special Easter. Well, Easter is just a great time of year, right? I yeah. mean, I, I was in Chicago for a bunch of years, and Easter is that time where the lilies are popping up, and the, <laughs> the, 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 the grass is greening, and the trees are blooming. And, Finally. And just a, right? <laughs> and there's just so many reminders of new life as you look around. And so as a parent, as you're driving, as you're walking the neighborhood, just just point out these little pieces of new life to your kids and talk about how Easter, that's what Easter is all about, is the new life we can have in Christ, how Jesus rose from the dead on Easter morning to give everybody who believes in him new life. So I think that's just one thing you can do just with your everyday walk. Um, Mm. Something my family always did with our kids growing up was uh, resurrection eggs. I don't know if you've ever seen those things, right? Mm -hmm. They come pre-made in in an egg carton with the little plastic eggs and, and there's a, a booklet that sort of walks you through the Easter story, and the kids can open up the egg and interact with whether it's the stone, the stone that rolled away from Jesus' tomb, or the gauze that they wrap Jesus' body in, or the nails they nail them to the cross. So just walking through the Easter stories with your kids in a very practical way that they can understand is also just really important. Oh, I love those ideas. Those are great. Um, Jesse, let's dive into kind of a deep topic. How do we talk to kids about the death of Jesus? Because obviously mm. on Easter Sunday, we're celebrating the resurrection, but you know, Good Friday is certainly a major important part of the gospel story. How do we talk about something so gruesome and difficult? Right. And, and we can't, we can't sugarcoat it, right? We can't lose that part of the message that Jesus came to die for us. And, um, and kids will just accept that, right? I mean, that was God's plan. I mean, right. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son to die for us. Right. So we Mm -hmm. could have eternal life. So I think that we, we shouldn't shelter our kids from the fact that Jesus did die a terrible death and that it was painful. Um, but it was his plan. And it was his choice. Like, he loved us so much that he chose to do that. And I'm not saying go watch The Passion of the Christ with your five-year-old, right? No, that's a terrible idea. And you don't need to get into the the details, the gruesome details of how Jesus was whipped. But you can say, Jesus died a painful death. But again, that was his decision because he loved you so much. And, uh, and then you can dig into the details later. You know, just keep it age-appropriate for kids. There's, there's so much in the Bible about... Um, you know, the shedding of blood for the cleansing of sins. And you can go back to Leviticus or you can read it about it in Hebrews 9.22. So you can, you can dig into the Bible later. But I think right now for little kids, the message is Jesus died, but then he rose again. That was yeah. God's plan. And he's in heaven and you can live with him in heaven, too, if you believe that's in him. Awesome. Oh, that's good. Uh, let's think about uh, some older kids, teenagers. How does this look different? What are maybe some tips mm. for parents who maybe haven't engaged these conversations with their teenagers before? What would you encourage them this Easter? Yeah. I mean, teens are great because they ask questions. Right. I mean, and and God loves our questions. He's not afraid of of us searching for that truth because that truth is out there. So I think when you have a teenager, um, again, you can just you know talk with them about the basics of the Easter story and then again, get into their They're going to have questions. Right. So invite yeah. their questions and. You know, we might not have all the answers as parents. Again, you know, we don't expect every parent to have a, a theology degree. But uh, as a parent,
parent, you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm not sure about that question. Let's go talk to a pastor or mm-hmm. let's dig into the Bible together and really look at that question. Um, but the yeah, the Easter story is just so amazing, whether it's Jesus before Pontius Pilate. I just I just wrote a devotional. I'm, I'm working on a devotional book about biblical archaeology and um, wow. just wrote a devotion last weekend about Pilate before Jesus. Right. And, you know, um, they, you know, the, the, the temple leaders brought Jesus before Pilate because, again, only Pilate, only the Roman governor could sentence Jesus to death. Mm. And so, as you know from the Easter story, right, Pilate, Pilate asked Jesus some questions and said, this guy's innocent. I can't find yeah. anything he did wrong and uh, decided, OK, we'll, we'll ask the people. Right. We'll go to the people and I, I free one prisoner every year. And and I'm sure they'll free Jesus, not Barabbas, this horrible, terrible criminal. Mm-hmm. Well, as you know, the chief yeah. priests already talked to the people. They said they wanted Barabbas free. They wanted Jesus crucified. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, What's cool is, you know, for a number of years, people, um, you know, doubters of Christianity would say there's just no evidence for Pontius Pilate, right? They, they hadn't dug up anything hmm. in the Holy Lands uh, with, with biblical archaeology to show that Pilate was real. And then, you know, I would say about, you know, 30, 40 years ago, they found this thing etched in stone that said, you know, Pilate, who is the prefect of Judea, right? So, wow. so there's all this, there's all this fact, right? And, and that's one thing teenagers love and dig into is when you can go, yeah. okay, the Bible said it, they dug it up. It's true. It's a yeah. real story. Yeah. And then they can sort of adopt that for themselves. Yeah, that's so good. I feel like there's a lot of adult Christians that need to know some of that evidential aspect of our faith as well. That's so great. So again, you're the editor, Jesse, of Clubhouse Magazine and Clubhouse Junior. How can, one, how can our listeners find out more about the magazines, but also how are you specifically celebrating Easter this year? Well, to find out more about the magazines, the best thing is just to go to clubhousemagazine.com. And that's our website. And parents can get a ton of great Easter ideas right there on our website. There's a, a little button up top that says themes. It's a, it's a little Christmas tree. If you click on that button and then click on Easter, all kinds of Easter recipes, activities, awesome stories, so much for parents and kids to do together on our website. And then for myself... <clears throat> And then for myself, um, my family will, will, will get together with the kids and, and now grandkids uh, oh. to, to, to nice. celebrate Easter. And what's so fun is when I first started as the editor of Clubhouse Junior Magazine, my kids were reading it. Oh. And now my grandkids are reading oh, Clubhouse Junior on. Magazine, which is so cool. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely love that. Jesse Flory is the editor of Focus on the Family's Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior Magazines, which offers advice for parents wanting to make the true significance of Easter a reality for their children this year. Be sure to check that out at their website. Jesse, thanks so much for being here with us today. Oh, it was my pleasure. Thank you so much. And it's great to connect back with Chicago. There you go. (laughs) There you go. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It is Friday, which means we get to do one of our favorite things each and every week, and that is a top five list. Top five, top five, top five, top five, top five things with Brian and Aubrey. All right, Brian, with spring break in mind, you actually are going on vacation. I am doing Mm -hmm. a staycation. But if we could dream about any place in the United States, so in the 50 states that are united, (laughs) <laughs> Where you could or maybe go, the, uh, 
I took this as the 48 continental. Are we taking Okay, so Alaska? we're not we're not doing Alaska or Hawaii. That's fair. Let's take that off yep. the list. No Puerto yep. Rico, no Washington DC. So 48 states on the continent. What would be your top 5 dream places to go for spring break next week? Okay. And it can't all be Florida even though that's basically what I'm tempted to say. <laughs> I, I suspect Why I don't know you one kick of your us off destinations. Uh, so I, let me start with one that I did in college. See, I find myself going back to things that I've done before. Uh, I did this in college, Mm. and I have great regrets that we've never done this with our kids, and it almost feels like my kids are too old to do it, or I'm too old to now do it. Like, uh, that's skiing in Colorado. Oh, wow, yeah. Or somewhere where it's, like, real skiing, not like, you know, Wisconsin or something. But, like, Mm. I've never taken my children skiing because skiing is so stinking expensive. It is so expensive. It but oh my so gosh, we, we went to a buddy's we went to a guy's house in Breckenridge and Keystone when we were in college. Yeah, so much fun. Skiing is so much fun. But okay, now I think I, I would just hurt at the end of it. I know you probably would. Kevin loves skiing. That won't surprise you. I would rather, you know, get a hot chocolate and sit at the lodge. And watch the skiers then ski. I don't mind skiing, but I definitely know I would hurt at the end of it. And also, Kevin laughs at me when I say this, but I feel like skiing is so high maintenance. Like you have to get so much gear and the outfits and then you're lugging skis and they're flopping everywhere. And it just feels like I, I, I feel so burdened when I'm skiing by the stuff that I'm wearing and carrying. That's not exciting for me. Mm. Yep. This is why yep. I like a warmer right. destination. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go with my number five. I went there as a kid. It might not be cool now. So I'm saying this through a child's perspective, but I would like to take my kids to Colonial Williamsburg, which I don't know if you know this, but it's like a little colony town and they're like churning butter and making steel and riding horseback and you eat in candlelit dinners. That sounds very fun to me. I would like to take my kids to do that. Your kids would hate spring break. <laughs> <laughs> it's like educational. <laughs> We're going to go to every museum between here and the <laughs> Yeah, that's my number five. I want to do. I want to pretend like we're living in the colonial days because that was a great days. time for women and minorities. <laughs> <laughs> number four for me. Uh, this is uh, a little bit to my roots and a little bit towards just energy and fun. I'd like to go to New York City. Oh, great idea. I love that. So get it, go take the kid. You know, you save uh-huh. money, maybe go to a Broadway yep. show, go yeah. to a basketball game or something. Yes. And love uh, it. do Times Square, all of that. I love it. That's a fantastic idea. I haven't done a New York trip in a long time. That would be fun. Number four, I put a general East Coast, and you can help me out with this New Jersey person. I want to go through what I imagine are the cute little quaint New England towns. So I've never really been up that way. Okay. Is that Maine? Yeah. Is that Connecticut? You're talking talking Maine and Vermont. You want to get up there. I want to get up there. Into Massachusetts, but I've uh, so I've never gone really north of Boston in my life. Okay. So I've I lived on the East Coast. We've gone up and down the East Coast, but I've never gone up to Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, all yeah. of that. So that's yeah. kind of where you're talking. Yeah, and you know Vermont has the Ben and Jerry's factory, so we drive through there too. Go to the Yankee Candle Shop, like all those East Coasty things or New England things, I suppose is what it is. That's what so I want. Your children now have the choice between Colonial <laughs> Williamsburg. 
and Ben and Jerry's. candle making shop in New England. Okay. They're, They're going to love well. spring break. They're I'm starting to understand break. why you guys aren't traveling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you would have fun. You would have fun at Yankee Candle with me, Brian Fromm. All right. What's your next no, one? Number three. Uh, I am going to spring training baseball. Oh, of course you are. I am going to find, uh, particularly, I would love to go. I've done it before, but me and my son go to Port St. Lucie in Florida. That's where the New York Mets are. Cool. And uh, spring training baseball is a ton of fun because it's so laid back. Guys are signing autographs. It's like you have this accessibility to them. So I know a lot of Cubs and White Sox fans who are listening are heading to Arizona for that. So that's Mm. what I would do. I mean, they're all coming back. Spring training ends next week. So they're all coming back. But. If you could uh, time like it, that's what you do. Baseball. Okay, fun. That sounds really boring to me, but I'm excited for you. Okay, yeah, number there's three. There's a candle making shop or something from the 1800s. <laughs> there's got to be down the street. <laughs> down the street from the old, the old baseball stadium. All right, number three. I've always wanted to go here. I am dying to go to the. I think it's the redwood forest where the trees are so big you can actually like, drive through them. That's where I want to go. Okay. That sounds so fun and magical to me. I am never going to come to you for request for uh, uh, to help me plan a vacation. <laughs> wow, you're so mean about my choices, Brian. That's like a national treasure, the Redwood Forest. I'm not that crazy for saying that. People go there and love it. You drive your car through a tree, Brian. That's how big the trees are. Wonderful. <laughs> uh, number two for me. I am. We did this a couple years ago. Uh, so I am going to bring my family to Arizona. It's warm. Mm-hmm. And there are really fun things to do. The Grand Canyon, Sedona, yep. Phoenix, yep. Yep. all of that stuff. So I think retirement, just to, retirement villages, just to feel that warmth on your skin. Yeah, like, like that's the key uh, mm-hmm. to, um, you know, unless you want to be covering your skin because you're in Colonial Williamsburg. Yeah. (laughs) My dream is to live in what it doesn't have to be in Arizona because I think I wouldn't like the heat after a while. But my dream is to live in one of those retirement villages where you just like you don't have a car, but you have a golf cart and you just like golf cart around all day. That is like that is what I look forward to in life. That is true. All right. Uh, You're going to think this was my number one, Brian, but I'm actually going to I'm actually going to surprise people. My number two is absolutely theme parks in Orlando, specifically Disney World. I I will go to Universal, you know, for a few days, but absolutely Disney World. The only reason why it's number number two, the only reason why it's number two is, to be honest, I hate going there on spring break because the Mm -hmm. lines are long. The crowds are annoying. I would rather go at the lower part. But, you know, it's still my favorite place in the world. So I'm going to. I'm going to throw it on there. I would like for you to go to a theme park dressed as if you just road tripped from Colonial Williamsburg. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Done. Done and done. Done and done. All right. What's your number two? Uh, I gave you my number two. My number one. I'm sorry, let me first one. give you my honorable mention. Oh, you have honorable this mentions. This is the one okay. I've never been to. So oh. I've never been to Southern California. But it's Oh, you haven't? Warm. Nope. Yeah, it's nope. so nice there. It sounds warm. It sounds beautiful. Yeah. I would like to try it. Yeah. Um, if somebody told me go there for spring break, I would be happy. So you would any say honorable yes. mentions on your side. You know, I didn't have any. So okay. I just Colonial Williamsburg is enough for me. Number one for me is very generic. And I, uh, I, I bet our be, number ones are the same. I just want to go to the beach in Florida. I just want to go to the beach. 
My it's number one Florida is the beach in Florida. Yep. Why Florida? Because it's warm enough to be at the beach. But I want to specifically go to the beaches on that A31 Panhandle Highway because it's the white sand beaches. Mm. The other side of Florida, they're still cool beaches, but it's the brown sand. The white sand beaches are the most beautiful places. I Like Santa Rosa Beach. That's where I want to go. That sounds wonderful. I am yep. not going to uh, quibble if you make me go to the brown sand beaches. Okay. I will be good. So uh, gotcha. Florida beaches. All right. Well, those are our top five dream spring break locations in the continental U.S. If we missed anything or if you've got one that's better than ours, let us know on our social media at Common Good Talk. Coming up next, it was National Single Parent Day this week. We are going to honor the single parents in our lives and in our churches. You're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It is the end of the week. It is Friday night. It is almost spring it. break. We are hope you ready to party. We made it. Brian and I are celebrating, but we want to leave the show by celer- celebrating the single parents around the world this week. It was National Single Parent Day. I don't think single parents get enough credit or recognition in this world. My dad was raised by a single mom. Hmm. My uh, grandpa died when my dad was four years old or five years old. So my grandmother raised four kids as a single mom, as a sharecropper in Texas, literally kind of not knowing where their next meals would come. Faithful, faithful woman. And so I love honoring the single moms in the world, single dads as well. Widows and widowers, I think, fit into that category and definitely need to be honored. Uh, Can I read something from Plus One Parents? Brian, this is an Instagram account that I follow, a single mom who writes about being single parents. Let me read this to you. She said a few days ago, it's National Single Parents Day. I'm never sure what to think about a day like this because I know many of us really don't want to hear happy National Single Parent Day. And I get it. There was a time I really resented being a single mom. And if you're there right now, I see you. I'm with you. While being referred to as a single mom doesn't personally bother me anymore, the truth is being a single mom is the least interesting thing about me. But at the same time, it also feels really right to honor a day like this, to honor you for showing up every day and to honor what God is doing in a circumstance just about all of us didn't plan for. I honor it because single parenthood is an incredible space to encounter the living God. It's a space many don't understand or have reason to envy, But yet, through it, we are pulled closer to God, closer to heaven. And she quotes from the Beatitudes there. And she says, happy doesn't mean we don't suffer. It just means we know our suffering does not have the final word. Mm. Good encouragement for single parents. Uh, Brian, have any single parents in your church or in your life that you would like to honor? Well, we certainly have them in our church. And, you know, I, I just think about my own life. Carrie and I... I can't imagine being the only parent trying to be mom and dad within for our kids. It's just I, I honestly don't think that uh, especially when they were little, I don't know how you do it. And so yeah. to hear stories of single moms and single dads who really put kind of all of their energy into their children, mm. um, especially when it's because of the loss of the other. Yeah. parent. Um, like that feels cause you're dealing with your own grief. You're dealing with all of that, you know, and, and I guess, um, so we want to honor those people and say, great job, keep going. Uh, and we also want to say that God, God loves you and is, you know, 
uh, we're not flippant when we say he's the perfect heavenly father. Yeah, like he, yeah. he promises to be present because I would have to think if I were a single dad, I would spend uh, a lot of time worn out at the end of my rope, just ready to snap, ready mm-hmm. to just throw in the towel and to know that um, the promises that God makes throughout scripture are there for us, I think is a good encouragement for people. Yeah, Hold on yeah. to who God is. Um, the promises that he's made to be present and active when we're at our lowest part. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, let me read to you uh, some tips for encouraging those single parents in your life. Uh, the first one is single mom, uh, single dad too. send them a few little treats now and then. Mm. I, I love that idea. A Starbucks card, a package in the mail, something just to say, I see you. I know this is hard. You're doing a really good job. Take care of her yard or his yard or house for a day. Be the single parent's taxi or errand service for a day. Take on babysitting duties. I think that's a massive support right there. I mean, that would be a huge one. Yep. Um, Offer emotional support. Invite her, him, and the kids over for the holidays. Cook a meal or two for that family. Give the single parent a useful subscription. Like I think about something like, you know, one of those meal subscriptions where like the meal comes to you and you just cook it. I'm sure there are other ones that would be really, really helpful. Be that parent's emergency backup. So, you know, for instance, when somebody needs, you know, hey, who's my emergency contact on the school forms? Or if something happens, I can't get out of work, but something's going on with my kids. Can you be my emergency backup? That's a great way to support the single parents in your life as well. And, I, you know, I think, Brian, something you just talked about, like honoring at churches, praying for the single parents, supporting them, surrounding them, uh, really being the family of God that we talk about are some other good ways to support single mm-hmm. parents. Why do you think it's, do you think the churches in general have not done a great job or do you find that churches do a great job of honoring the single parents in our lives? I feel like I don't hear a lot, but partly I, and, we've talked yeah, about this singleness in, general. in general, suburban churches, like we're a part right. of a very family oriented. I think that's it. And um, there's also probably I, I'm speaking out probably over my skis here. A lot of times when you're speaking of single parenting due to divorce, mm-hmm. that probably comes with a lot of baggage traditionally in churches, yeah. uh, some guilt, some shame. I've talked to divorced people who are like, I don't really like to go to church because people mm-hmm. kind of look at me. Yep. Um, and so I don't I think the church has a lot to learn about singleness in general. Ian used to talk about this a lot because he was a single pastor for a long time. Right. Whereas I got married and you got married at like 22. Yeah. I think he got married in his young 30s. And so yeah. a lot of his ministry was done while being single. Mm-hmm. And he used to speak to just the uh, subconscious things that people did within churches. Mm-hmm. Right. He. um do you remember some of those examples? No, but I, he used to, I'm trying to remember what he used to always say. He used to always say, uh, marriage is two becoming one, not the halves becoming whole. Like you're not half a person until you wow, get married. Wow, yeah. And I do think we give that. And then when it comes to divorce, there's this extra baggage of mm. sin. Yeah. You screwed up. Yeah. You broke it. Somebody yep. broke it. There's yep. clearly you couldn't make it. You couldn't tough it out. Yeah. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. all of that. That makes you go that, that extra mm-hmm. baggage probably causes people not to want to be a part of the church. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think 
recognizing that not everybody in your church is in is married right uh, and not everyone in your church is in this happy marriage that's yeah. kind of doing life yeah. together and uh, i think is important for us as pastors but for churches as a whole yeah and i think adding to that i know we kind of briefly touched on this but adding to that the layer of like the widows and widowers in our churches too especially who have young kids at home like what are the ways that we're supporting wrapping our mm-hmm. arms around them and and kind of including that i mean it's that feels like a different category but they are in fact new single parents and so to help kind of make sure that we're pastoring all of the people in our church and all of their circumstances i do think you're right being in the suburbs out here we are family we are a family area and so we tend to focus more on families than on singleness than like churches in the city or churches that have a larger single population. That's right. That's right. And I, I appreciate, I really appreciate Ian's voice on this. Cause even though 30 is still young to get married in sort of evangelical Christian culture, it's really not. So the fact that he's got some experience now to speak, uh, speak about this from is really great, but we want to honor the single parents who are our listeners. We love you. We are grateful for you. We see all the hard work that you are doing. So keep on going Mm -hmm. keep on being you we hope wherever you are if you're traveling or staying home you have a great spring break i'll be back again on monday with our special co-host katherine mcneil that'll be from 4 to 6 p.m for brian from today i'm aubrey sampson and you've been listening to the common good on am 1160 hope for your life three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.